Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today our guest is Captain Steve Brescia from Fishing with Attitude. Fishing with Attitude is a Toronto-based fishing team chasing the mighty Chinook on the waters of Lake Ontario. Brescia is also the Canadian rep for ITO Flies. Steve, thanks so much for joining the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. And for people who don't know what you are and what you're about, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Fishing with Attitude. So Fishing with Attitude uh, started with me and my partner Gator uh, about two years ago. We got a little bit more serious in the salmon fishing and wanted to do the tournaments. So we went into the tournament and uh, didn't really have a name, played around with a few ideas. Then uh, he was actually at the gym one day and he said, how about we name it FWA, Fishing with Attitude? Just kind of like the rap group, you know? And I said, you know what, man, I love it. Let's do it. So that's how it all came about. And a uh, little bit of background. It's, uh, I grew up in Thunder Bay, so we did a lot of downrigging on Lake Superior, and that was kind of 14-foot aluminum boat with a 20-horsepower and some manual crank downriggers on, you know, the biggest uh, freshwater lake <laughs> in, well, in the world, I think. And that was, that was kind of sketchy business for a while there, but, you know, it was fun. And I moved down to Southern Ontario in 2008. And a buddy of mine, he's like, you want to go out salmon fishing one day? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. So he took me out on his, I think it was a well craft he had, just completely rigged up for salmon. And uh, one one trip, and I was I was absolutely hooked. I think we caught maybe two fish that day. But um, the week later, I went and bought myself a boat and, you know, rigged it all up for fishing. And kind of here, here we are, what, 14 years later, 12 years later, so. And what's that like uh, fishing Lake Superior out of Thunder Bay to going to a place like Toronto, fishing uh, Lake Ontario in that area? Tell us a little bit about kind of what that what that transition's like and, and what the major differences there are. Well, Lake Superior is huge and it's deep and it really doesn't get a lot of temperature. You know, maybe up in the summertime, you're going to see like 52, 53 surface. And you know, down below, it's going to be into the to low 40s and high 30s. So, I mean, this is back before there was really, you know, a lot of electronics like Fishhawk and whatnot out there. So we just had a basic setup and it was just kind of, you know, guessing, put this down rigger down, you know, 30 feet, put this one down 20 feet. And I think no dipsies, no long lines, nothing like that, a cheater here. And, you know, just kind of pray. But, um, and it was more like the weather the weather up there because it's so big you know like lake ontario is one big basin it's huge but lake superior it's got a lot of like back bays in it but still like the weather is nasty when you get the, the winds blowing a certain way and it just it just doesn't calm down it's but you know you get a nice day and you can get out there then it's uh yeah half a dozen fish and you know you're laughing so that you wanted to talk about when we kind of hooked up to do this podcast is long lines. It's something that you like to do is run the long lines. Tell me about your long line program and kind of how you do things that way. We do fish a lot of long lines and I would say uh, our, our long line program is kind of as important as the downrigger or the dipsy program. I mean, there's a lot of days where, 
you know, we'll run two or three long lines out depending how many people are in the boat and they will far out produce everything else. Like the last time we were out a couple weekends ago, I think we landed eight or nine fish and like seven of those fish all came off long lines. So we fished everything from uh, 100 copper to the 500 copper and it was kind of a mishmash. It's just, yeah, um, I wouldn't fish without it. You know, a lot of, a lot of people kind of, they shy away from this whole long line program because nobody really likes reeling in a 400 copper or a 500 copper, right? And I totally get that, but it does definitely, for me, it's as important as any other aspect of the, of, of the spread. And of course, you know, there's another half dozen rods you have to bring on the boat with you with that. And there's quite a bit of an expense when it comes to doing the long lines. So typically the springtime, the 400 and the 300 coppers are going to be what I'm going to deploy. And believe it or not, the 400 is probably our best springtime line out of everything else. You know, we'll fish out near St. Catharines, kind of off the Weller drop. And as soon as we get in the depth, like 80, 90 feet or above, throw that thing down. And um, I fish with like a mast, big wooden boards. And we, if you know, we're familiar with that system to use the uh, those Scotty clips with the shower curtain clips, run all your copper out, clip the backing to that. And uh, you can set it as far out on the board line as you want, but that kind of when the fish bites, it's a direct fight. You don't have to worry about reeling in, you know, a hundred feet of line <clears throat> plus whatever the fish took off, taking the board off, then getting another 300 to 400 feet of copper in the boat. I think that, you know, people that aren't doing this are really missing out. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's something else when you get, you know, a frisky 25 pound king on a 400 copper. You know, it's that it, it's not coming in in five or ten minutes. Like you're there for a while, and any any new fishermen or you know, some of my buddies are really good, like steelheaders and whatnot. We bring them on the boat, and that thing fires. And here, buddy, here's a 400 copper. Here, you have fun with it. You see, you're getting close, like down in the back, and it's like, all right, put the brakes on, bring it in. And you know, after that, everybody's kind of like, holy crap, you know, I need one of these, <laughs> right? Tell me a little bit about handling that that kind of line a lot of people are kind of afraid of copper there's there's expense there and then just handling the line is a little bit different than, than uh, other setups tell me a little bit about some of the the challenges with fishing with copper so copper um like the basic copper setup that i would run is um like on a th my 300 i've got a clarion uh the 55 series it's got 300 yards of 50 pound braided backing. Uh, I like the super slick. It just seems to last longer. And I use the uh, Spro or S-Pro heavy duty swivels to connect backing to the copper. And then the copper again to the leader material, which I always put 40 pound uh, fluorocarbon on there. And usually, you know, 15 feet. A lot of guys are running, you know, 50 foot leads, 100 foot leads on the back of their copper, which kind of defeats the purpose of a sinking line because then you'll have like a hundred foot lead. If you're caught 400 coppers down 80 feet and the hundred foot lead, like maybe that line's only down, you know, 60 feet where the spoon is, right? So I run a shorter lead just so kind of when you get the fish to the back of the boat, there's a couple wraps a liter that is already on the reel. Then you just give it, give it a good pull and the fish is in the net, right? So um, yeah, you know, it is expensive for one. You got to get a good rod 
and that uh, the larger reels, like the, the the line that I have, the Clarions, they don't make them anymore, but uh, you can pick some up, some used ones. And if you were going to get one setup, like you only had in the budget for one copper setup, I would go for a 400 copper. Sometimes you can't fit a full 400 feet of copper with 300 feet of backing onto one of these spools. So what you do is your wire or your reel in, you usually go to a bait shop for this because it ends up being a lot of reeling in one day. But uh, <laughs> you put the copper on the spool first and then you put as much backing as you can just so that spool fills up. You run all that line off, you got to transfer it again to another spool, and then you can put it on the reel. So sometimes you're only going to get maybe 200 yards or 240 yards, but you do want a lot of backing because you don't want to really put the gears to this fish. You want to have a lot of or a lot, your drag pretty loose on this so that when they do run, you know, you're not, that copper's got no stretch. So you want the rod tip and you want the drag to let the fish kind of run and not really put a lot of a lot of pull on the on the hook in its mouth because even with long lines like sometimes you're dropping more fish than you're catching but if you're you know you're landing every three out of four on a long line you're doing pretty good so what i was saying is so you get the 400 copper right you get it you go to a baseball diamond with your measuring tape you peel off all the line every hundred feet you take some type something to mark it like some orange spray paint so you mark the every hundred feet right and that kind of gives you a 100 200 300 400 off of one reel and if you run that right down the chute of your boat which is kind of a pain in the butt because you know you get a fish that starts thrashing at the back of the boat you're going to get tangled every time and even you know sometimes you get a good dipsy hit and even if that copper is out way on a board and you get that dipsy hit you're still getting tangled in it so it's kind of one of those things that you know just expect it it's gonna happen when it does you know like keep your head down and just go through it but copper is tricky because it's very malleable right so getting kinks in the line just from bringing it on and off the spool like it'll get that twist in it just from being wound on the spool so you really got to kind of keep keep an eye on it i always when i'm reeling it in i kind of feel it feed it through my fingers every once in a while just to feel if there is you know a kink which you know most of the kinks you can just kind of gently unwind and kind of uh, like unkink it and give that line a twist again and most of the time that'll solve the kink problem but you know it's just kind of it's it's you got to pay attention. You know, I, they make a weighted steel. I've never tried it. A lot of guys love it. That's a lot more user friendly, but you know, I'm kind of, you know, it's hard to te teach an old dog new tricks, right? I just, I, I like my, I like my copper. So that's what I say. And oh yeah, 45 pound copper. That's the other thing. About what you got on the business end of that. What are you usually uh, fishing with at the end of your long lines? I can't tell you that's a secret. <laughs> no. <laughs> so typically, uh, end of the long lines, we're always running a spoon program. Like I've pulled, you know, full size rotators, meat rigs behind them, and like you get a fish on there. And even reeling the line in by itself with a full size rotator on a copper like that, it's it's yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But um, typically, we'll run spoons, a spoon program. Um, you know. Obviously, the spoon's gonna vary depending on how much light there is. If it's sunny, you know, first light, overcast, 
that type of thing. But you know, it's uh, it's spoons, spoons, man. It's and you get a real, real good variety of spoons in your box, and then you kind of just rifle through all of them in a day, and that you know you'll figure out what's working on there. But typically, when it's sunny, you're gonna want something really flashy. And yeah, let's talk and about that a little bit. Yeah. Talk okay. about uh, uh, your your colors and kind of what you're into uh, and, and how you choose what you're going to put on there as far as colors go. So colors. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> every, that's more or less everybody's personal preference when it comes to colors. Like what I, what I do is, and I don't think there's any right or wrong to it of when you should fish one color and when you should fish another. Um, so first thing in the morning, we're out there, the sun's not up. You got to put glow down, glow, anything with a large chunk of glow on it, like uh, like a more solid color as well, like a white or a yellow or a lime green with a big chunk of glow strip on it. And then, you know, whether using like uh, meat or rockets are really good for, for the first light too, because you can charge them up with the, the UV light and that gives, you know, the fish at least a good target to hit. And then kind of when the day, light starts coming out and you know the sunshine burns that orange morning sun color off that's kind of my cue to do another change up so depending on the day like if it's going to be a really sunny day i'll put something incredibly flashy out like say if we're doing like a four four two dipsies and two riggers right so on one of the dipsies i'm going to put something high and super flashy you know, like all chrome, some green dots on it or some black dots or something like that. Cut back on the glows, but I'm also going to put something that's more of like a translucent type color on it too. You know, so like a, say a clear paddle with just one strip of UV on it. And that UV, whether it's like a crushed UV or a slick UV, that's, you know, the last like 10 years ago, they never had that. Right. So I, I'm a fan of the crushed myself. I just think like when you look at a presentation in the water, you know, you drop your cannonball down five feet or whatever, and you see it spin and you see how the light hits it, you know, that crushed is just really, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like a fish scale too, right? So just having a variety in the spread for what the light condition is, you know, gold, gold's another really good one for a highlight kind of condition. Um, and white, white is one of those colors that I find works, you know, it'll work good in low light. It'll work good in, you know, a highlight condition or overcast, but you just, there's really no rhyme, no reason, right? You got to play with your different color selections. But for me, you know, if we're fishing deep as well, I'm going to use something that's like a half glow and a half flash, usually with uh, like a white board with kind of like a mirage colored uh, Twinkie set and maybe a glow head with meat. So down in the deep water where there's not a lot of, um, where there's a lot of light, I find, you know, just that little tiny bit of flash on one side and the glow on the other side, that's what's really, you know, worked for me in the past. And Very cool. A little bit about your boat, kind of what you're running, how you got everything set up in the boat. Uh, what does that look like when you're out there either fishing in a tournament or, or getting ready for a tournament? Okay, so um, we're lucky enough that we just uh, were able to get, I uh, picked up a Lund 2150 Baron Magnum. So I spent 
few few days last early this month uh, or last month bringing it up a lot of tracks we've got uh, scotty downriggers we run those in the track system the good aluminum rod holders i know that you know a lot of guys run the plastic type things and i just i'm very paranoid running my rigs in plastic because we have uh like mooching reels and whatnot that we use and those things are they're not a reel that I really want to lose, right? So I'm just very <laughs> comfortable having everything in like a good aluminum type rod holder, right? So we'll fish the riggers right off the back of the boat. The dipsies will be right off the side. Uh, the long lines have uh, some rod trees that we run those out of. And um, yeah, as for electronics wise, of course, you know, I've got the fish hawk. I don't know if you ever heard of that device. Well, what's that all about? Chuck, oh, it's, uh, you know, these guys of the States make it. It's all right. It kind of tells your speed and temperature. It's, it's a good product to have. Look them up. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the other electronics you have on board. Simrad. I'm a big fan of the Simrad stuff. I've got the Go 9 and uh, it's got the Drive Pilot Hydraulic as well. So, I mean, you hit a button and uh, like an autopilot, if you've never fished with one before, it is an absolute, you will love your life so much better having an autopilot on board that you hit the button, everything's controlled on the screen. You want to go left, you want to go right. You just hit it right on your uh, graph screen and you know, away she goes, it's, it's beautiful. That's pretty much it. Just, oh, sorry, I have an eye troll as well, which uh, is a throttle controller for the kicker. And that's also, you know, with, if you have, whether the tiller handle, you had my, my Prince Craft had the tiller handle on it. And I was always yelling at Gator to speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down. And you can have that sweet spot was really, really difficult to get, right? And now with, um, with the remote style kicker, the sweet spot is, it's, it's hard to find too, because you know, if you're in the current or you're in some waves, you just got to constantly think. So that eye troll is like a little, it's just like you're turning up the, um, the volume on your on your car stereo right and it's, it's such a slight slight increment that it adjusted like i i just picked it up this year and you know i don't know why i didn't buy it two years ago because this thing's phenomenal right so and other than that it's just i i'm i'm a one graph kind of guy you know some guys have two graphs this but a, the nine inch screen is big enough that i can have the autopilot control uh the charts and the depth all in kind of one package and i can still see over my dash Steve, tell me a little bit about the areas you're fishing. I live just about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. We do a lot of trailering from, from our place in Kitchener. We do a lot of trailer, trailering from Kitchener. So typically, early season, everything's in the Niagara. And, you know, you'll start off, like we started off in Grimsby this year. Um, a little bit different because of COVID. A lot of ramps weren't open. And trying to find like those two ramps that were open on the west end of lake ontario was a little bit difficult and like the lake trout fishing was it was it was ridiculous like it was you know you go out in the morning and no exaggeration you're catching 30 lake trout by noon you know it's just a fun day to get you know, everything kind of working again you know kind of like the rhythm of you know adjusting the downriggers or setting this out setting that out it's it was really a lot of fun so that kind of tapered off and then the kings tapered in or started coming in so 
Then we moved down to Dalhousie when this whole COVID thing stopped and uh, <clears throat> the St. Catharines ramp was open. So we started fishing out of Dalhousie and we had some great days out there. But let me tell you, those mayfly, the mayfly hatch this year, and I know a lot of you guys that are listening to this fish through that mayfly hatch. And, and anytime I see bugs on the water now, I still get PTSD from it because it was, it was <laughs> awful, man. Like you'd, you put a rod in a rod holder, a fish would hit it, you would grab the rod and the handles would be completely covered with these bugs. And it would just be, everything was a bug grease. It was terrible. And it lasted for a couple of weeks too. It was brutal. And I know some guys, they didn't even bring their boats out, you know, like, and then like, I'm not gonna clean it. Cause even with a, you know, 17 foot boat, bringing it home and pressure washing all this baked on fly goo was, you know, it was terrible, but um, yeah. And then the fish will start kind of like when Niagara cools off, you'll get a couple of weeks of, you know, where you can, if you put in a whole day, you're going to be catching, you know, a couple dozen fish anyway. And then they'll start moving around and that's kind of when you just got to go and find them after that. Right. I mean, I, I'm lucky that my boat is trailerable, so we're mobile. Right. And I'm also lucky that, you know, we've made a lot of friends, and this whole salmon fishing process that, you know, guys out and it's like Whitby or, you know, Bronte, Port Credit and stuff. And we can kind of figure out where, and with social media nowadays, people are posting what they're catching, which is really cool, right? It makes for a lot of boat traffic, but I mean, the, the name of the game is guys that want to catch fish, go and catch fish. And that's kind of one great thing about social media is, you know, people, people helping uh, other anglers out. Like we get a lot of messages from guys like, hey, where are you fishing? Or even when I'm on the water, you know, like chances are when I'm on the water, I'm trying to stay focused on what I'm doing, but I still get Instagram. Hey, I think I saw your boat, man. Are you catching? What's going on? What are you using? So, and we'll always answer those guys because it's cool being out there, right? And that's like the name of the game is everybody's out there to catch fish and everybody wants to catch fish. So we'll just move around like Whitby this year. There was a few weeks out there that that was Whitby kind of beginning of summer was as hot as spring fishing is in the Niagara. We boated like no joke when I say this, I've got a clicker, like a clicker to keep track of how many fish we catch. And like we boated days like 20, 25 fish in the middle of June. Right. And it's just, they were in that pocket of thing. And that's like tooting your guy's horn here because I think the fish hawk is a great product and you just troll around. You, you see the surface temp and then you'll be going through the water. And then all of a sudden the bottom temp just drops like, three or four degrees. And sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it'll drop two degrees and all of a sudden fish, fish, fish. Then you get out of that water and then it starts getting back up. You troll for, you know, a quarter of a mile, nothing. You do the turn, you see the temp temperature, you go through that water again and then fish, fish, fish. And as long as you can find that pocket, like most of our time out there is spent searching for these pockets of water. And the last tournament that we were in um, on Labor Day weekend, we went out and like the stage of fishing was pretty difficult and we had surface temp 64 and like bottom temp a hundred feet down was like 63 degrees. So, and you're two, three miles offshore until you actually find like a decent bottom temp. Right. So a lot of our times just spent trolling around. And then as soon as we find those temps, hit a couple of fish in there, watch the temp go up, turn around, get back through it. And, you know, hopefully the fish will start biting again through there. And that's like throughout kind of the last couple of years, that's the, the strategy we've been doing is, you know, as soon as we had a couple of fish, 
you know, one guy, the guy that's sitting at the helm watching the electronics is okay. You know, like that bottom temp where we hit those, that one King was, it went down a few degrees. Let's try to fit that again. And sometimes you can't find the same pocket twice, depending on how hard the current is blowing in the lake. You just got to keep looking. But once you do, man, like I said, that's pretty, pretty lucky when you do it. So. Steve, want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great having you on. Is there something you wanted to talk about that we didn't get into? I know, man. I think that's really good. Thank you for thank you for having us on, man. I know we saw each other at the the Niagara show. It's too bad we won't be seeing each other again this year because looks like it'll probably be canceled, eh? Yeah, tough tough deal there. It's going to be a weird weird year with all the shows going on. I'm working some ice fishing shows already this fall, and many of them have been canceled. So. It's oh, yeah, interesting to see how everything goes, uh, but uh, hopefully we can get back to doing all this stuff soon. So just want to say thanks for coming on. If you want to know more about Steve and what he's got going on, Steve, where can they find you on Instagram? On Instagram, our handle is fishing with attitude, fishing spelt F I S H I N. And it's a great follow. Lots of good stuff up there. Those guys are on the water all the time. Some great photos on there. Steve, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.